Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, it is Trags back with you for Red Sox Beat, and hallelujah, we have good news to report. I'm joined by Alex Barth, doing a wonderful job, as always, on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Follow Alex Barth uh, on Twitter at RealAlexBarth. The reason I say hallelujah, we have baseball back, owners and players reaching an agreement on Thursday afternoon, ending the 99-day lockout, the first work stoppage since the 94-95 strike that wiped out, of course, the 1994 World Series. Uh, That means uh, owners and players are going to agree to have a season in 2022. Players will report this Sunday, and uh, that means uh, players will come in for their physicals and get ready for the season. We'll have a shortened spring training for the last two weeks in March, of course, and uh, then two and a half weeks of March. And then we will have a spring training uh, week of uh, grapefruit and uh, cactus league games first week in April. Opening day is April 7th for Major League Baseball. Really terrific news, Alex. And I really thought uh, all along that the players and owners, essentially, this is the kind of the timetable I laid out to you and our uh, uh, audience uh, a couple of weeks ago, even a couple of months ago. I thought uh, we'd Uh, see the season start right around Patriots day, April 15th, and they beat it by a week. And I think that will end up being the Red Sox home opener, I believe is the plan. So um, yeah. And, and kind of like I said, last time we were on, right. And yeah, how, how great is it that we, I don't have to sit here and pretend to understand how labor negotiations work. Like that was painful. That was painful. But I, I think the key to this all along was we knew those deadlines, deadlines, air quotes were, were BS. Right. And they were just more negotiating chips because they're going to play. It sounds like they're going to play full 162. They're going to make up the first six games, whatever it was that was officially canceled as double headers. That's all it was. And it's, it's sad that it got to that point. But I think both sides knew deep down that they were going to figure out a way to play 162. And that's why the deal got done when it did. They could they could move those six games without actually canceling them as long as they got the deal done by around when they did. Red Sox, as you mentioned, will travel to the Bronx to face the Yankees on opening day on April 7th. So uh, nothing like getting the uh, season kickstarted with uh, baseball's most intense rivalry. I think that'll be good for baseball. And um, certainly I think it'll be great for the Red Sox fans to uh, look forward to opening day at Fenway Park, which will be uh, just about a week after that. Um, Let's go over the CBA. The new deal will last five years. The agreement includes the creation of a pre-arbitration bonus pool 
uh, Alex, an allotment of 50, uh, $50 $50 million that's dispersed annually to players who have fewer than three years of service time in the majors and who perform well. For the first time, MLB will also now have a draft lottery that is expected to include the first six picks intended as a means uh, to uh, de-incentivize tanking. Of course, that was a big, big uh, subject among many, many, um, many of those on the uh, players' side, and that is that many of these teams were tanking to incre- uh, improve their draft positioning, as uh, lots right. of teams used to do in the NBA and the NFL, of course. And uh, this is expected to at least address that somewhat. Under the agreement, the minimum salary now will start at seven hundred thousand in twenty twenty two this year and finish at seven hundred and eighty thousand in the final year of the deal. Here's the bit to me. This is one of the biggies. The starting point for the luxury tax grew to two hundred and thirty million dollars. Uh, this year, it'll start at uh, $230 million this year. And in the fifth and final year, we'll finish at $244 million. Additionally, the parties agreed to adopt the universal DH. That means 15 more full-time DH jobs as it expands to the National League. They will keep the amateur draft at 20 rounds and limit the number of times a player can be optioned per year to five. Your thoughts? And then the other big one there, uh, just to add, is the international draft and not yes. having the you know international free agency anymore. Correct. You, you look but, like you're going to say something. Yes, because there's an asterisk involved in that. Because um, let's uh, want to go over my notes here, so I get this. Right, that right. doesn't kick in right away, right? The parties will keep talking about the international amateur system and direct draft compensation until July 25th. At that point. If the players want to get rid of the qualifying offer, they have to take the international draft. Otherwise, there's no change to the qualifying offer and the owners don't get the international draft. If you're asking me, it, it depends on how much the uh, the players want to avoid the international draft really hurting a lot of the players overseas that would be impacted by that. I think they're going to elect um to keep the qualifying offer and the owners will not get an international draft. That's what I think, but we'll see how that pans out. So I think, and I, I was on a radio show last night talking about this. I baseball what baseball needs to do with it. At least the NBA and the NFL have done so well. The NHL is kind of its own thing, right? What the NBA and NFL have done so well is it's a 365 day league, right? We're sitting here March 11th. I wrote two NFL pieces before I came on the podcast. I'm going to write four more after I get off this show. Season, I didn't play in a month. They're not going to play for months. The best way to do that, what, what gets people most excited about the offseason is the draft. People love the draft. People love the draft. It, you know, it's promise. It's only positives, et cetera. Baseball's draft could not be more of a turnoff. It's in the middle of the season. It's too long. Nobody knows any of the players. There's no trades. So I think if baseball wants to get, you know, that off season hype, they need to move the draft to the off season, shorten it, which they did. They went from 40 to 20. Now take off another 10 picks and we're in business. I think having the inter, I I think if they combine it, which to me, if they get an international draft, eventually it would probably become one thing, right? That would be a big deal because people, you know, I don't know how many people know who the top prospects are in college baseball this year. I think a lot of people know who say a Suzuki is right. Right. So, I, I think if they did that and then letting teams trade picks, like to me, they need to consolidate the draft, move it to the off season, 
and then figure out a way to get bigger names in it. To me, that would be making players play at least one year of college ball and adding the international players. So I actually think overall the international draft, most of the things the owners want are not good for the popularity of the sport. This is one of the few things I think would actually help the sport. So you get to uh, a, the crux of the matter when it comes to drafts in Major League Baseball and for that matter, the NHL. These younger players are not exposed anywhere near the way college basketball and college football players are exposed to people right. in this country. And it, you're not going to be you're not ever going to make the draft, the Major League Baseball draft, what it is in in football and basketball it's just not going to be that way and and frankly the nba has really kind of minimized what the nba draft is right i mean yes you get yeah. hyped up about the lottery but the the fans really only care about the first round of the nba draft if you ask me i think it drops off precipitously after the first round well um, I, I think that's even true with the nfl right with day three uh, no, I disagree because I think with the NFL, so many teams go into the draft looking to fulfill needs uh, on day two and day three. And you have so many people at the end of day three grading drafts. Everybody wants to know how their True. team graded. Nobody's doing that for Major League Baseball because you, there's just too many obscure players that you know, really don't know anything about. Sure. So some of the scouts may know in the organization deep, deep right. down into the system scouts. But uh, other than that, but people just won't know until they see them on the field in spring training. So again, but th this is like, this is a longer process thing, but you cut the draft down to 10 rounds, max maximum. If you want to do a minor league draft after that, do that on your own time. I don't care. <laughs> you cut the draft down to like, well, kind of like they do the minor league rule five draft, right? Right. Cut the draft down to 10 rounds, maximum. Again, let teams trade picks because then it's in addition to being about the players, right? You could trade a first round pick for a second and a third. People will get really into that regardless of who the players are that are involved. It'll also hype up the trade deadline, by the way, which is an added bonus to this. And I think and I don't know how the union would feel about this. And this is this is probably an extreme jump. You'd make players play at least one year in college. And then what, what, the, NF, what the MLB could do, which the NFL is great at. The NBA is great at the NHL is getting better at major league baseball does nothing for college baseball. They have zero interest in it. They don't promote it. They don't talk about it. Right. Nothing. Major league baseball needs to take an active interest in college baseball because if you know, That's they're talking point. about it then. So again, it's not, it's, I'm not just saying like, Oh yeah, move the draft to January and it'll be great. No, there's multiple steps that need to be taken here. But if baseball wants to compete with the NFL and NBA, you need an active offseason. Part of that is free agents not waiting until spring training to sign. But I don't know how you solve that issue, right? NFL, NBA, NHL, the second that deadline begins, deals, deals, deals. Baseball, that was supposed to be last night. We still don't have anything. The other thing is move the draft to, to the offseason and make it an event. And that, that takes numerous steps. But I think that that would be a, a – I, I think that would be an underrated investment for the league if they could figure out a way to turn the draft into a real event. I am speaking with the one and only Alex Barth of 98.5. The Sports Hub does a great job of uh, 
following all things Boston sports. Follow him on Twitter at Real Alex Barth, all one word. Basketball, of course, is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. And MLB, as we've been talking about, will soon be back in business with spring training and opening day set for April 7th. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head on over to the website, or of course, you can always use mobile devices to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds from sports right down to your very favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and yes, easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, taking care of some business here as we're back with Alex Barth on this episode of uh, Red Sox Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Um, the Red Red Sox home opener. We mentioned uh, when I thought it would be, and I want to get this uh, correct. Here it is. Home opener will be uh, Friday, uh, April 15th against the Minnesota Twins. Of course, that is Patriots Day weekend. That will that uh, four game series against the uh, Twinks will uh, finish with the Patriots Day uh, Monday morning, April 18th game at 1110. Uh, that will conclude that four game series. Then the Red Sox play three against the Toronto Blue Jays uh, at Fenway Park. And then they head on down to Tampa Bay to open the season. The Red Sox open on April 7th, a Thursday at 105 uh, against the New York Yankees. They have the uh, scheduled Friday day off in case of inclement weather on the 7th. Then they have two games on Saturday and Sunday. They have the game uh, 4.05 on Saturday the 9th. They have the game on the 10th at Yankee Stadium. On uh, at uh, It's a Sunday night game, so that game will be on ESPN. Uh, shocking. And then they have three games at, uh, in Detroit against the Tigers, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, the day off on Thursday, and then the home opener on April 15th. So that's taking care of that business. Alex, you had a terrific piece, and I want to get to this right now. Now that the uh, lockout is over after a, a 99-day work stoppage on 98.5, thesportshub.com, 10 free agents for the Red Sox as the MLB offseason resumes. So you start with the number one free agent out there, and this could change in the matter of the next couple of hours, next couple of days. Carlos Correa. I think it's a pipe dream for the Red Sox. I don't think they're going to go after him. I don't think they're going to want to spend that kind of money, even though, they, as you have pointed out, they do have a decent amount of room under the new CBT threshold, as we mentioned earlier, $230 million. of Red Sox payroll right now with 20, uh, 27 players under contract stands at $206 million. Carlos Correa, a pipe dream, don't you think? Yeah, so just to clarify, this was if the Red Sox want to make a splash signing. This wasn't necessarily the most obvious ones, but they were linked to him. Yeah, a lot of teams were linked to him, but they were right. one of them before the lockout. And, you know, I maybe maybe things changed. Maybe things changed during the lockout, and obviously the financial outlook of the league is new. Uh, maybe they got some clarity on Xander Bogart's situation. He has the out at the end of this year. Shortstop is going to be in need. Marcelo Mayer, great draft pick. He's not going to be ready for a couple of years. Um, and who knows? Who knows if you're going to get 
another short an opportunity to add a shortstop like this. And Trevor Story's not on my list. He could qualify for this too, but right. shortstop's going to be a, a need for this team. And between Bogarts and, and Nomar, I mean, that position was a revolving door for almost 10 years in Boston. That's a very important position. I don't think you want to go into the unknown at shortstop, especially when you have all this other young talent around. So if they're going to make that big splashy investment, which who knows if they're going to make it, if they are going to make it, I think, you know, shortstop is the, the, the most or second most logical spot to do so. Certainly the most in the lineup, I would say starting pitcher would be the other, but yeah, I, I, I would it, also it makes sense. Yes. I know they might not do it, but it does make sense. Okay. And, but the, there's a significant reason why the Red Sox would want to make a splash like this. They need a right-handed bat. They need a right-handed right. bat specifically in the outfield. I certainly, Correct. if, if if they come to terms with Carlos Correa, nobody's going to complain about adding the most dynamic player in baseball uh, to that Red Sox lineup, but uh, they need a right-handed bat in the outfield. Chris Bryant is a possibility. You mentioned him. Uh, he had 265 with 25 home runs and 73 RBIs in, this past season after a down a year in 2020. Somebody I'm very familiar with Nick Castellanos uh, with the yes. Cincinnati Reds he would seem to make a ton of sense in terms of a right-handed bat who's coming off a great season an all-star last year for the Reds as they made a push toward the playoffs coming up short 34 home runs, hundred RBIs, and he hit three Oh nine in 138 games, right? And you may, this is a great point you make the Red Sox could use a right-handed bat in the outfield that right now has Alex Verdugo, Jackie Bradley jr. And Jaron Duran, all left-handed batters. Yeah, this is uh, so Cray is great. Cray, I'm not going to say Cray is not the best player on the board, but if I could pick one of these free agents, or at least offensively, we'll get to another guy I, I like. But at the top of my offensive board for the Red Sox, Nick Castellanos. First of all, put him either in between or after Bogart's endeavors. That's it. There's few teams, if any, in the league that are matching that three, four, five. He gives them a right handed bat, like you said, in the outfield, and he's just so much fun to watch. He enjoys the game. He has yes. fun playing the game. He brings that energy. I think he'd be a really, really good fit in this clubhouse. Like one of my, wherever he goes, unless it's the Yankees, I'll be a fan of his. Like I just personally, a player I really enjoy. He checks so many boxes for them. Like you said, Cray is probably a pipe dream. Castellanos probably is too, but man, would he be just such a perfect fit for the team, for the city? Like Boston would eat up a guy like this. They would be all in. Uh, Nick Cassianos. If I could choose anybody off this list, it might be him. All right. The guy that I think you were going to refer to was outfielder Seiya Suzuki, correct? I assume he's the one you would really like to see in Boston? Or no, not? it was actually uh, it was actually Carlos Rondon. 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 Yeah, Carlos Rondon. Yeah. Oh, but but that, that um, you know. Very unlikely, the, I know. Yes. But that that addresses a different. He's a starting picture. Uh, I want to stick to just the bats for now. Okay. Seiya Suzuki, the Red Sox, as we mentioned, need a right-handed hitting outfielder. Suzuki certainly is that. He's only 27. He hit 317 with a uh, 1.069 OPS, tremendous OPS in 134 games in Japan last year. He projects to be a strong addition to any lineup in Major League Baseball. Suzuki, you know, MLB trade rumors projects Suzuki would draw a five-year, $55 million deal, and that's not including uh, the negotiating fee uh, that would 
go along with that, obviously. Um, Chris Bryant has been in the mix, um, but, you know, again, uh, MLB trade rumors uh, project six years, $160 million for Bryant. The Red Sox are still conscious, cost conscious, and they want value for what they're signing. Seiya Suzuki checks that box, I think, for me. He certainly does, because $11 million a year for a starting outfielder is a really good deal. You know, you're paying more, but the posting fee is not against the tax. So you're paying more, but you're not taxed on it. It really is the value signing. That's the one I, you know, of the players I listed, 11 players. Of those I listed, I think he's far and away the most likely. The one other name I'd put out there if we're talking about uh, right-handed outfield bats, right, and you're talking about value, is Jorge Soler. He's going to be 30 years old. Yep. He really struggled early in the year last year, got dealt at the deadline, finished strong with the Braves. He had 269 and 55 games for Atlanta, gives them some pop. So he's the one other name I'd say, you know, right-handed bat in the outfield. I wonder, because, you know, with Chris Bryant, Castellanos, his price is going to come down a little bit because there are so many good right-handed bats that they could maybe get him a little below market. And you do mention in your story on 98.5thesportshub.com, uh, while playing for the Hiroshima Carp last year, yep. Suzuki hit 317 with 38 homers, right. 88 RBIs, 132 games. And we mentioned the tremendous OPS that he had. Look, I think the Red Sox have been, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, linked to him pretty much since um, uh, the Braves won the World Series last year. And ever since the postseason or the offseason began, then was uh, obviously interrupted in December by the lockout. He's been a name that's been tossed around uh, yeah. by those close to the Red Sox as somebody who would likely be a great fit in Boston. Yeah, and I mean, there's been a lot of smoke. The Japanese media, I believe, have said it's more or less a done deal. He's going on Koji Uehara's podcast, and I think he's been pictured wearing Red Sox hats. Like, it feels like they just got to, you know, dot right. the I's and cross the T's with him. But yeah, no, he'd be, again, he'd be exactly what they need. It's, you know, kind of their way of doing business. The only really the only holdup is a lot of times the Japanese players want to be on the West Coast, so they're closer to home. Uh, that would probably be the biggest roadblock, I would guess, at this point with him. Besides that, he feels he feels like a definite fit and somebody they seem to be strongly in on. I think they should sign Jose Iglesias. I, I've always liked him. I think he's a solid fit and sure. and he's low risk. And I want to see him come back as a a guy that can really play great defense at second base and you can move him around the infield as well. Yeah. I mean, I, he's probably not at the top of the free agency list. He's a guy I'd assume they can get back for value later in the process before opening day. It hurt them not having him in the playoffs last year. He was signed beyond the deadline and he wasn't eligible, but he makes a ton of sense to bring back. They still have that hole at second base. I don't think they want to plug it with the long-term deal because they have Jeter Downs on the way, right? They don't want to give somebody right. a five-year deal when Downs will probably – I don't think it will be up this year, but probably 2023 at the latest 2024. So, yeah, Iglesias and Arroyo, maybe Kike Hernandez factors in in a platoon there. That feels like the best way to handle it. All right, let's uh, – Jen McCaffrey of The Athletic also uh, has a great piece. Um, kind of did what you did, uh, Alex, nine – free agents uh, that the Red Sox might target with the lockout lifted something Jen did before she got into her list of nine free agents was uh, recapping what Heim Bloom did uh, before the lockout began. He traded Hunter Renfro to Milwaukee in exchange for JBJ and prospects, Alex Benayas and David Hamilton, both of whom I might uh, add uh, have already been down uh, at Fort Myers in minor league 
training camp, which began uh, last week. Uh, Ian Browner, who I'm going to have on this podcast next week, uh, does a tremendous job of uh, really uh, going over what those two uh, prospects can expect to do in terms of contributing to the Red Sox down the road. Um, the Red Sox and Bloom also signed left-handed pitcher, 42-year-old Rich Hill to a one-year deal, signed left right-hander Michael Walker to a one-year deal. He's healthy. And James Paxson uh, is coming off the Tommy John surgery. He is not expected to pitch really at all this year. Uh, they, he signed him to a one-year deal with a club option, $6 million really for this year. And then um, uh, club option uh, for 2023, that I believe is $4 million. Any of those deals stick out to you? Um, honestly, not really. I, it just feels like they, they know that they have Chris Sale, Nathan Avaldi, uh, Nick Pavetta, right. and then they're just going to put the rotation together behind that. I think it's going to be an on-the-fly thing. They got seven, eight candidates for those final two spots. We've talked about this before. I think unquestionably one of them should go to Garrett Whitlock. You think he belongs in the bullpen. but I do. It, it feels like they're just going to piece it together. You know, you hope between five of those guys, and then they've got some some kids as well, right? Uh, Connor Seabold got called up, made his debut last year. Brian Mott is coming off Tommy John. We'll see if he's ready. Throw, throw them all against the wall, see who sticks. You really just need two or three of them to stick, and, and, and you hope it works out. Tell me what's going to happen with J.D. Martinez. He's 34. He's going to get $19.35 million this year. Yeah, so his situation is really interesting now because – Part of this agreement, the designated hitter, and I think you mentioned this earlier, the designated hitter yep. is now adopted in the National League. So essentially, his trade market has doubled. He realistically wasn't going to play in National League. He's a designated hitter at this point through and through. Now, not only can National League teams have a designated hitter, there's teams that weren't built for one that may need one, right? So whether it's adding a, a right-handed bat in the outfield, and Martinez is a right-handed bat, but you get somebody who can maybe you sacrifice the bat a little bit for somebody who can play defense, maybe somebody a little younger. Um, they do need to add to the back end of the bullpen. Maybe you can get value for a reliever by moving Martinez. Like he's a great way to address the need in a big way. If they move him now, will they do that? He's very, you know, he's a leader on the team. He's a big voice in that clubhouse. I feel like you kind of need that with the abbreviated spring training. This is a move. I look at more at the deadline. If they're struggling, if they're in contention next off season, but get ready to hear his name and trade talks a lot because he just became a much more valuable player. Anything else you're working on, Alex? With the red, I, I'm just really interested to see again with the Red Sox, how this rotation shakes out um, working on overall, you know, this is just the timing of this. You, you would have hoped baseball <laughs> could have figured it out from the beginning, but let me just say, you're going to have opening day, we got conference tournaments right now. March Madness right around the corner. Kevin NFL Garnett on Sunday. Start. Kevin Garnett on Sunday. Celtics are rolling. Bruins are rolling. NFL free agency next week. The NFL draft is coming up. You got the Players it's Championship nuts. this weekend. The Masters. You know, I was I was talking about this. You had the USFL supplemental draft last night. Um, I was saying to somebody the other day, really, we're going to go conference tournaments, NFL free agency, March Madness, opening day, NFL draft. NBA, NHL playoffs, Masters, summer. Like we're we're just gonna fly into summer from here. The next two months on the sports calendar are might be the best of, of the entire year. And, and to have baseball back in that equation because it is a big part of this time of year. It's gonna be great. What happened two years ago uh, 
and what we all went through in terms of sport. And obviously sports is just, you know, the playground as a lot of uh, news uh, papers used to call it. Uh, it is a toy room uh, of real world life situations and what we went through with COVID. But, you know, we missed a lot of that uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. And now it feels like with the way you just very articulately um, uh, or just very, uh, yeah, I was going to say did a great job of articulating, <laughs> did a great job of articulating uh, what's going to be on on the schedule in the next couple of weeks, in the next couple of months. Uh, it really does feel like sports is back to normal. He is Alex Barth. 98.5, the Sports Hub does a great job covering all things Boston and New England sports. Follow him on Twitter at Real Alex Barth. Alex Barth, I'm Mike Petralia, and this has been the Red Sox Beat Podcast powered by CLNS Media.